Welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I am Ross Chevalier, and I'm super excited to be joined for this episode by my good friend, Shane Suku. Yes, sir. I just want to make sure I didn't butcher your name. Shane is a professional musician and extraordinarily well qualified to talk about our topic for this episode. So welcome, Shane. Please introduce yourself to the audience. Tell folks a little bit about yourself, and you can make it up if you want. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Ross. Uh, my name is Shane. Um, uh, I've spent most of my life, uh, you know, either doing or being surrounded by music. Um, when I was younger, my dad was a, a radio DJ, so I was at a lot of concerts throughout my childhood. Um, I was well immersed in in you know, other aspects of music, not just, you know, performing and stuff like that. So um, as you can imagine, that naturally translates into into band life and things like that. So I was lucky enough to spend a, a good 10 years in a progressive metalcore band uh, based out of Barrie. Um, we were, you know, lucky enough to catch a couple breaks and be successful enough to tour across the country. Um, I was the vocalist for that band, so it was uh, it was definitely a fun aspect. And and you learn a lot through that uh, through that time in your life. Um, I spent a few years booking and promoting as well out of a, a music venue called the Fox Lounge in Barrie, um, doing some comedy shows and stuff like that on the promoter side. So I've had uh, I've had my hand in a lot of different aspects of of the music industry over the years. Um, I've done some stage and sound setup as well for bigger festivals. I've worked in a record store, and now currently I'm working for uh, for the arts here in Newmarket. So, um, you know, my life has has thankfully kind of naturally progressed as as, you know, being, uh, I guess, what I could be considered a professional musician at this point. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And while we have some similar backgrounds, mm -hmm. stage Indeed. and sound management, <laughs> yeah, and lighting, special effects and that sort of thing, uh, you're a far superior musician to, me, to myself. And we both have that disease. Indeed. The disease that people like to call gas. Indeed. <laughs> we have it bad. It doesn't go away. It no, thankfully does. it doesn't. And I'm really glad that you've uh, agreed to be a guest with me today. As to my mind, you're a real world example of a player who has been and is successful moving with the evolution of musical gear and equipment. And specifically what I want to talk about today, and you are really my source for this, is what I will call the backpack or pedal board or floorboard amplifier. That's my colloquialism. You can refer to them by whatever name you want, but I like to think about it as an amplifier that doesn't require a roadie. Absolutely. You yeah. can put it, carry it however you want. Backpacks are handy. Um, some of them are small enough to fit in the front pouch of a gig bag, in Absolutely. fact. Absolutely. And that gets you to the gig with the power to drive a speaker cabinet or if the device has a DI output, you can run it right to either an FRFR or straight to the house PA. Does that sound like a reasonable conversation to you? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would say that, and, and it's kind of a, a bit of a theme that we have going around the shop, is we are in the golden era of being a guitar player in music gear. And the, the amount of gear that we have at, a, at our disposal now that is a compacted form like you were saying and a more portable fly rig to get the job done um, in a much easier capacity is better than ever um, we've got the black star amp 3 that we're going to be talking about today like you asked me to bring and then we've got another rig too so it's going to be really fun oh that's great i appreciate you doing that and for bringing your own kit yeah <laughs> uh, because that means that you know it real well and you've got practical experience I have more experience with profilers than the kind of amplifier you brought. So I'm looking forward to your experience bringing a lot of benefit to the listeners. Uh, which one would you like to start with? Well, let's start with the Blackstar. Um, it's not the first one that I owned. I actually owned the, the fly rig that we're going to talk about later first. But the best part about this Blackstar is it's doing exactly what we're talking about. We're taking a... 100 watt rig essentially that head and the pedal that would come with it to do all of your changing and we're compacting that into one portable unit so the black star amp 3 that i currently own is exactly that it's got a clean a crunch and an overdrive channel 
As you can imagine, you've got a little bit of a variation on each of those. The clean has got your typical natural clean and then a bright option like you would imagine from your typical kind of fender ramp and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, on the crunch side, it's got a classic crunch and then your super crunch. So you can imagine, you know, what I like to think about is like your typical Marshall-y type sound. Um, now that changes with some other features on the amplifier that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, and then you've got your overdrive, which has two different stages. I like to think about that as a, a little more classic sound over Overdrive. I wouldn't say a vintage, but a classic overdrive and then a more modern, punchier sounding version that you would hear with, I would say, your more, you know, down-tuned and progressive style bands that want okay. that tighter chug and, and a little tighter response out of their tone. Um, other features on that top of the amp, as you can imagine, like a normal amp would have, you've got a reverb built in. Um, what Blackstar tends to do is offer you a, a light and a dark feature for your reverb for a little bit different tonality depending on what you're going for. If it's going to be something you're using with a lot of distortion, maybe you don't want the brightest version. And then the flip side, if you're a little bit lighter, maybe you're looking for a little bit brighter reverb to kind of open some things up in that sense and vice versa too. Um, well, that ahead. sounds to me like a classic multi-channel head that's it in spades but it's not 65 pounds no no it'll fit and you know if you put your hands out like you're you're asking for a bowl of soup there it is it, it fits you know what i mean you, it's portable it's nice and compact to go on a pedal board if you're using maybe like a two tier like a 24 by 12 you can absolutely get that on there with a handful of other pedals and you've got a really really high quality portable rig so that's an interesting comment that you just made. It doesn't have to stand alone. You could fit it onto a pretty standard pedal board. That's exactly how I run it. Put the whole pedal board with your pedals in one drag bag and you're good to go. And you're laughing. Absolutely. That's exactly how I have mine set up. Um, and even coming here today, I came with two guitars and both rigs. A guitar on my back, a guitar in my hand. I have a sling for one rig and the other rings in my other hand. And we're laughing. We're, we're yeah, portable. Yeah, when you came through the door... You brought all that kit with one trip. One trip. Yeah. Like, how can you go used wrong? It to take two of us to move a single Marshall 412 cabinet. Absolutely. This and is... even thinking about that 100-watt head, like you're saying, for 65 watts, if I'm carrying that in one hand by myself and maybe a guitar in the other hand, I'm tilting pretty hard. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm still working to get it through the door, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Having, having done that load in and load out <laughs> long ago, it sucks. It's not fun. It is not fun. Um, and even when I was unloading the car, thinking about like, okay, well, if I didn't have two portable rigs on me right now and I just had one on a sling, that other hand now could be used for just a lightweight 112 cab. And I've actually got my entire rig going, running through a cabinet and maybe not just front of house. And oh, cool. that's one trip as well with two guitars. So that's a guitar and a backup guitar. So I'm actually stage ready in one trip. All my cables would have been there. Every pedal I would have needed. The whole kit and caboodle. I mean, just like you're talking about of remembering those days, when I first started in the band, we had two 412s and an 810. You do one tour and you realize it's not needed, and the places that you think you're going to need that for are going to probably mic up your stuff, or they have a good enough sound system where everything is going to take care of itself in that sense. So you've, we immediately downgraded to half the size, went to two 212s and a 410. That was still being powered by a pretty large head. And we, when we finished our good, you know, bit of touring and stuff like that, I was very, very much on the side of let's get into these mini heads. PV had just released their 6505 minis, and that seemed like the be-all, end-all for me. 20 watts seemed like just enough power to get us by, and any time when we might have needed more than 20 watts, like I'm talking about, it would have been mic'd up anyway. So right, that right. plus a 212, and, and we're off to the races. So that... That just natural progression in gear, and it's going more and more compact and more and more versatile for that player that wants that maybe, you know, smaller experience and doesn't need to fill a stadium's worth of sound. Well, I think that's a big difference that we're seeing in the industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. We have now, unlike when I was coming up, we have really good PA. Yes, absolutely. You aren't trying to, you know, light up the LA forum entirely from the stage. No. With a whole rack of Marshall stuff or Absolutely. Uh, a bunch of MPEG SVTs. Mm -hmm. I remember loading in those 812s <laughs> with an SVT head. And the first thing the, you know, the owner said was, turn it down. Yeah. Because you're breaking stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can get that. Now, what you're describing is something that's 
really small. Very powerful. But you can also use it at home because I understand you've got some variable control on the power output. Absolutely. And you don't even need to have a cabinet. One watt, 20 watt, 100 watt switchable. Now, this is, you know, solid state power. But I don't really, in my opinion, of, of using it at home, I think that these wattage ratings are to their tube counterparts. Cool. The 20 watt version I have yet to turn up past nine and a half at home, maybe 10 on the scale. And the idea of, you know, cranking that up to maybe three o'clock is just going to blast the windows off of it at home. Um, so I would definitely say that that small unit has enough power to do what you need to, but it has the versatility to run it at one watt at home and still get those really juice sounds at a smaller volume. And it's got headphone outs. It's got your typical quarter inch and it's got an XLR too. So you could run it into an interface if you wanted to very simply through either one of those components. You can run it right into headphones and you're just rocking right off your pedal board for late night, uh, jam sessions. I think that's awesome. And mm -hmm. as a recording engineer and producer, you mentioned the DI out, mm -hmm. which I think is very important, but it's also got USB-C out, correct? It does. Indeed. Indeed it does. And that, So you don't even need an interface if you want to do some recording. Don't need an interface. And the beauty of the USB-C, too, is it also allows you to utilize the cab rig software that Blackstar offers. So this is now you're diving even deeper into the, the versatility of the amplifier. Um, this amp has three different cab sims built into it right on the backside. If I'm not mistaken, it's your typical, you know, 112, 212, 412 kind of mix to get a little bit different variation, size, and punch out of the cabinets. Now, you can edit those to be whatever you'd like. It could be. Well, yeah, and you said it's cab rig, and I've used Blackstar's cab rig software in the past, uh, both when we when I had the, the physical St. James head in cabinet Indeed. here yeah. for review because it could, again, DI, but also because... As an engineer, you can never own enough amps, right? <laughs> no. Oh, I wanted a, it's okay. I got one of them as a plug-in. And so I was an early tester for Blackstar for the St. James plug-in suite. Oh. And their cab rig software is brilliant because, as you say, yeah, multiple cabinets, but also multiple microphones and microphone placement. Absolutely. And it's super easy for anybody to use. You don't have to be a trained recording engineer to make this stuff work. So this one amplifier, you co it's called the Amped 3, right? Amped 3, correct. I could do anything. Whatever you wanted. Play a big gig where, the, where there's a PA, mm -hmm. play a small club, play a coffee house, Play at home and record. It is the Swiss Army knife of being able to power a rig and do whatever you'd like. Wow, I think this sounds amazing. So let's take a slightly deeper dive into this Amp 3. Now, you said that at max output, it's 100 watts. Correct. And you felt that it's watts are always watts, I know. But in many cases, Class D, 100 watts, doesn't get as loud as class A or class AB 100 watts, but you feel that this is a more accurate representation if you were going to do that kind of comparison. Correct, yeah. I've had a number of different lower wattage units over the years. I've had some, to be honest, I've had every iteration of like a Blackstar amplifier throughout my life. I've had HT1s, 5s, 20s. Um, I have a Club 40 now. I had the Mark II of the Club 40 before I got the Mark III. So I've... I've kind of I've been a Black Star guy, inadvertently for a long time before even realizing I was a Black Star guy, right. um, and this amp can do anything and everything in that sense. Now a lot of folks don't and realize that the folks who founded Black Star came from just down the road. They're they're the uh, another guys, company yeah. that starts with M. The old black and golds down the, the road. Black and gold. Yeah, down the road. absolutely. Um, but I digress a little bit there. I really what I should have said is I've tested out a lot of these smaller wattage amplifiers and this reacts in the same way to the way I've played 20 watt heads. Um, cool. I had a PV classic 20 watt at one point and the power output that I'm kind of needing out of this amplifier and stuff like that is right in that same relation of that 20 watt head the way I was playing it. So it's it's very similar to that and I feel like it has that same output and really when you're when it comes down to it a lot of amplifiers are starting to 
switch to that kind of relation too. I know the black or uh, the black star, the Fender uh, Tone Masters, um, where they've done a long line of their blackface models. They are rating, you know, the the deluxe reverb at 22 watts, but it really is 22 watts in relation to their tube counterpart, which is 22. Well, I can say that that's in fact true because there's a blonde Tone <laughs> right. Master reverb under the table where we're talking and it's got that wonderful built-in attenuator indeed but if you turn that off it sounds like a 22 watt deluxe reverb absolutely and i think that that's a real benefit because unfortunately there are those that don't absolutely correct yeah you there's know, some that just don't quite have that projection and now in fairness the fender tone master deluxe reverb is a 100-watt Class D amplifier. Mm. But it has the sound and the feel and the response of that 22-watt tube amp. Correct. So it's my opinion that we shouldn't get hooked up on watts. We should get hooked up on tone. On tone, and well, and also just the output that it can give yeah. you, right? Because Is it loud enough? Is it loud enough, and does it have enough headroom for what you're looking to exactly. do? Exactly, right? and that's a really good point that we will find, particularly with a Class D amplifier architecture, the ability to deliver more clean headroom. Correct, yeah. So maybe take a, a little bit deeper dive into the MT. You mentioned that it's got three channels, but each channel has multiple options? Correct. Um, like I mentioned, clean and bright, or your, your normal bright for your clean side, two different crunch options, two different overdrive options. So That's really your meat and potatoes. six. It's six right off the hop, but not actually, because you have to really times that by three again. Oh, really? Well, you have now three different tube options available. You have EL34, EL84, and 6L6 options. Interesting. Yes. Now, we know that in the classic sense, it's not so much the preamp that gives the sound of an amplifier. The power tubes have a lot of character. The power tubes contribute, as does the output transformer, and then the speaker cabinet. Mm -hmm. Now, you've already addressed the challenge with the speaker cabinet, because it does have this cabaret capability if you don't plug it direct into a cabinet. Correct. Now you have the choice of what tube set mm -hmm. you're going to use. Correct. That's You're just making this even more versatile in the conversation. It allows you to have whatever flavor you're looking for there's lots of different clean players out there i know a ton of clean players that are in the fender realm where they're doing a blackface and that's their go-to there's also a bunch of clean players out there that are playing vox style amplifiers and they love it too same way where there's a lot of clean style marshall players where they're just rocking a low game but they like the brightness right so right. there's that whole realm of you know who did you listen to what naturally gravitated towards, you know, what amp you heard and what your near, what your nears, uh, whatever your ears heard throughout your life, right? Okay. Sometimes you can listen to certain albums and you don't know you're a Vox guy until you naturally discover it. And you're like, oh, I am a Vox guy. And then you realize the guy who played on all the albums you loved played a Vox your whole life. And you're like, well, now it makes sense. My right. ears have been trained like that my whole life. So these two or three different options give you that tube versatility to flavor in whichever way you want. If your clean section that you want want needs to be a black face sound you have that option and then if you want to expand to maybe a more punchy uk sound in your crunch section you've got that right at your fingertips right well i think this sounds like a really awesome choice for a lot of folks who have not yet got amp gas or don't <laughs> want to get amp gas yeah because you're right you are at least i gravitate to certain sounds for certain songs mm -hmm. yeah and I've been pretty hostile for uh, with a lot of these emulators. A lot of them can do Fenders pretty well. It's a lot of them can do Marshalls really well. Pretty good. Very few of them can do an AC-10 or an AC-30 Correct. properly. Well, and then there's, even in that sense, there's a couple different, you know, we'll call it if an AC-30. Is it a normal? Is it just a top boost? Is right. it dimed the whole time, right? What are we talking for? How much AC tone 30? cutter are you using? Exactly. There's so many little variations when it comes to an amp like a, like a Vox because they utilize a slightly different way of doing things in their EQ section and their tone Absolutely stack. Absolutely, they yeah. do. Well, and it sounds like you're telling me that I could do that. I could get the sound of my old AC-30 or the hand wire 
out of an amp three and not have to carry either one. That's the and idea. risk damage to them. That's the idea. That is the idea. And I should also it might be a little a little bit too early to mention this too, but all these options that you have, this unit has preset options built in too. So it's not just like you're using the tactile front end. When you find your clean setting that you love, no matter what tube structure it's on, no matter where your ISF knob sits on your Black Star amp, um, which is, if people aren't aware, that is another knob to allow you to tweak between a more UK or a more US made uh, tone to give you maybe a little throatier sound towards the British side if you're on gain and then your more classic kind of saturated distortion on the American side. Well, that ISF function isn't new to the amp three. Not that at existed all. in the Black Star small tube amps. Absolutely. Like you, I had an HT one. Yeah, they've been around forever. That, and an that HT5. knob is, is a quintessential thing. And about both set. from you. <laughs> and now I have a Mark II Cream Club yeah. Forty. Nice. Which I probably got from you. It may have came from. It us. might yeah. have come from you. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's a very nice function because it allows you to without changing the tubes to create a very different sound field. Absolutely. Uh, and without necessarily having to engage a, a, a really good parametric EQ. Correct. Correct. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a very simple thing. Now, you mentioned that the Amp3 has USB output. What can you tell us about that? So the output is, is nice and simple. As you would imagine, a lot of newer units have the same feature. So USB out, plug it straight into your computer possibly even a tablet if you're utilizing it and it has that functionability to go right into the DAW that you're utilizing. Right. Um, you can go right into that. It'll bring up, or you download, you utilize the cab rig software, and now it gives you full control over your amplifier just through your digital side of stuff. It allows you to edit things like we talked about to change the different cabinets that are involved. It allows you to change you know, your room ambiance, your placement of your microphones, full control over everything. It allows you to actually go down and change different parameters of the reverb that you're doing as well. Um, this is another way to do your uh, presets for the amplifier. Um, if you don't want to just do it right from the unit itself and you're a little more used to doing things on the computer because you're a digital guy and that's where you've done a lot of your stuff and you just want something that's going to be able to take that same sound in that unit and you can let it rock with you kind of thing. So that's where, you know, the preset side of it, I really feel like comes into its its proper form is when you're utilizing all this stuff together to create your certain tone stack on your first channel for your clean. And then when you go to your second stack for your crunch, it can be a completely different setup. Same thing for when you go to your third stack on your overdrive. It can have completely different settings for your reverbs for light and dark. It can have completely different settings for the boost function that's built in, whether it's pre or post and the level on it as well. So it really, that is, is the, the, the piece de resistance, the chef's kiss of it is that preset function. Um, when you're going right away off the bat, it's beautiful to test it out just in tactile mode, the way I like to say it. But the amp really shines once you get your presets in and you could just turn it on and immediately have your, your best sound. Well, I'm thinking in the context of someone who's doing, you know, small gigs, coffee house, or even a cover band, mm -hmm. it sounds like you could build your pantheon of amplifiers for all the different songs that you're going to play so they sound like what the audience is hoping to hear absolutely yeah now i did a bit of research on on the recording side because i do that more than i do playing live absolutely. right and the usb output is four channel <laughs> so you've got a lot of flexibility on your on your daw mm -hmm. you don't need an interface you just need a device that's got USB, USB. <laughs> And there's this software. You mentioned it already. Blackstar calls it Architect. Correct. And it's free. Keep it that way, guys. Don't pretend <laughs> you're another company whose name starts with F. Uh, it also supports MIDI. Indeed it does. And it's got a little K-lock part on the back, too, for safety. And I also read that for the person who's really going to leverage this, a traveling musician, it doesn't care where you are in the world because it'll run on anything from 100 to 240 volts. Absolutely correct. And it weighs less than two kilos. Yeah, it's like the 
It's probably smaller than this sheet of paper that I've got in front of me. Well, we're going to see that in real time. <laughs> now, you talked about the selectable tubes. You talked about the ISF. One of the things I thought was pretty interesting is it's also got a send return loop. Yes, effects loop. A full effects mm -hmm. loop. And I noticed that you can control that effects loop up to plus 4 dB or minus 10. Yes. Two options. And you've also got line-out controls for the headphones and for USB. Line-out control for USB is a rarity. Most of them just give you what they give you. But this, I thought, was really interesting because as an engineer, I often find that USB outputs are very low. Interesting. And they're not quite giving you the they're signal you're looking for. They're not giving me the signal I want, and so I may be driving past zero on the preamp mm. uh, in the recording studio, and I'm not nuts about that. So I think that that's a very, very useful thing. We talked about the XLR out to run to a PARFRFR. That is a proper balance line out, so you can do mm -hmm. extremely long cable runs. And I... Now, the mini connectors, are they're the small ones or the big ones? For the... For MIDI. Yes, they're small. Oh, so they're the 1 8 jack if ones. I'm not, yeah, very, very... I mean, there's only so much space on this paper-sized amplifier, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> well, that, of course, makes sense. And... Uh, it does come with the, the converter, as, as you would imagine. Okay. Yeah. So everything's there, even if you've got... Yeah. Something that uses the multi-pin DIN connector. Exactly. It's right there for you. And there are two speaker out. Eight and sixteen. Eight and yeah. sixteen. One at a time. So one at a time, if, of course. If yeah. you got a pair of sixteens, you got to run it out the eight kind of thing. Yeah, of right? course. Well, that just makes sense, yeah. right? And if I remember correctly from the photograph, there are also nine volt power outs. Two nine volt shared power outputs for five hundred milliamps. Correct. So even if you've got one of these demanding digital effects, yes, if you're rocking that need more than the typical. You know, 100 milliamps mm -hmm. that you get off a uh, wall wart or, uh, you know, one of those tools that folks like, <laughs> the daisy chain type of thing. Sure, sure. But if you need more power, you don't need to carry around the wall wart for that specific device. Not at all. Um, it's perfect for if you have your, your favorite delay or maybe your favorite reverb or you have a certain, certain sound you really need in your rig. Um, it gives you that option. And in my mind, one of those is always taken up by a tuner. It's right. uh, we let's let's all face it. We all need a tuner on the board, or at least you know maybe you can get away with a high quality headstock tuner while you're on stage. There's lots of people that do that, and it does the trick for them. I personally would prefer something a little more on the floor there that you, you know can actually I, see. I could see and I'm plugged into. You know what I mean? Um, and that maybe if I bump somebody on stage, it, there's no chance of it going flying into a crowd or getting stepped on or anything like that. Um, so in my mind, one of those ports is always taken up by a tuner. Um, for me, if I had one, two ports that I had to do, to be honest with you, I'd probably cheat a little bit and I would use an EQ pedal, a tuner, and maybe like a tube screamer type of, of unit, like a, a precision drive or something like sure, that, just because like I that. love the versatility, but everyone can throw in whatever flavoring they want there. Right? right. And you did say that it goes on a board. Yeah. Yeah. So you can still build whatever pedal chain that you want mm -hmm. for those of us who may have. The pedal gas <laughs> yeah. disease. Have a handful of different boards hidden around the house under our beds. Oh, they're not hidden. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I love about it, too, is because that unit has those two power outputs, and I already own a normal five-output ISO brick, right. now I'm my pedal board can run seven pedals, no problem. Right. If I wanted to cheat it, I could probably get eight or nine sharing off of, say, a tuner or some other light overdrive yeah. that's not going to take a lot of power kind of thing. No, and that's, yeah. a, that's a fair thing because a tuner and a standard overdrive, they're never pulling a lot of amperage. No, no. Right? And even if the tuner's on, it's going to mute your signal anyway, so any extra maybe ground noise you're going to have is not going to be existent. So right. it, it naturally takes care of that problem for you. Well, this sounds like an incredibly capable unit. So, can we get some samples? Let's do that.
this sample, Shane's using a Paul Reed Smith CE24 with both pickups activated using the Amped 3 in its cleanish mode, adding a tiny bit of reverb and boost. In all of Shane's recordings, he uses a Boss EQ200, in this case, in what he calls the smiley mode, providing a subtle boost in the 120 to 3.2 kilohertz range. In post-production, I also added some work, in this case happening to be a TC Electronic DVR250 plate reverb, as well as some very subtle compression. In this recent sample, Shane's using the same PRS CE24, this time with the bridge pickup only, using the Amped 3 in its cleanish mode, but he's added in a DoD looking glass overdrive with the bass filter set to off, treble set to 2, gain set to 3, and the level on the overdrive set to about 1030. Same reverb and boost options, although in post, I added a Poltec EQ1A as well as a TC Electronic DVR250 plate reverb and of course some minor compression. <laughs> final sample, Shane has switched guitars to a Joe Duplantier Charvel 25.5 inch scale in drop C tuning. He's using a bridge custom humbucker. The guitar has no tone knob and the volume is set to full. He's got the Amped 3 set for a 6L6 tube set with the pre-boost turned on. He's also added a Horizon Precision Drive with the volume set to 12, the brightness set to 12, and the drive set to 1. He is using his Boss EQ200 with the highs and lows boosted and, as one might expect, a mid-low smiley. In post-production, I added a noise gate and a Universal Audio 1176E compressor just to level things out a little bit. Now, there are other Amped products, right? Absolutely. Uh, the Amped line has three different versions. The first one that came out was the Amped one. It is a small white unit that is a little more like your classic kind of 
two-channel amplifier, really. Um, what it has is a great clean sound on it. Um, it does have a, uh, a preset option on that one as well if you have your favorite tone and then maybe you want it to kick in some drive and kind of thing like that. Um, it does have a little bit more options as far as the tone flavor because um, I believe it does have the, the KT88 and oh my gosh, it's I'm missing it now. There's one more tone flavor. I think flavor. it's a 6v6. 6v6. Thank you very much. Um, so that gives you a little more tonality in that sense. Because it is more of a clean to light overdrive based amplifier, they figure let's give you the the whole you know the whole platter kind of thing when we're at that point. Um, now I've heard that there are folks who are using tools like a Quad Cortex or a Kemper Stage, and they're using the amp one just for its power amp capability. You are exactly right. We actually had a gentleman who bought one from the store who was doing exactly that. He had a Helix unit. He was looking into something from Seymour Duncan, some other options out there. And these are all right in that same kind of price range too. If I'm not mistaken, at that point, the Duncan was around 650. I think the Amped one is right in that same range. Um, so he took it home and he purchased it with the idea that let me go try this for my my live rig. Um, I haven't seen them since. So <laughs> it obviously did the job it did needed job. to in spades. And like you're saying, it really worked well as just a, a power section of that so he could use some of his other things to utilize all of his effects and stuff like that. So right. it worked very well in that sense. And they do have settings on there to be a more transparent power section as opposed to being like just, you know, as... Middle-of-the-road blackface that you could get right, or whatever right. it might be. Well, as a Kemper stage owner, that's something that would appeal to me because while I could run the Kem my Kemper direct to a PA or I could run it to an FRFR, if I wanted to just use a regular power amp in a cabinet, mm -hmm. that's a very cost-effective route. Absolutely. And that versatility to me was was the bigger game changer. There's lots of great options out there, like we've been talking about, um, from some other brands that offer some similar features as far as their, you know, their their tone shaping or the, you know the different options they have for built-in amplifiers and things like that. But not all of them are offering the ability to power a cabinet on stage. Right. Now, so that's the Amp 1. And as we were talking, you said there's another model. You have the Amp 3 with you today. What's the other one? So if we think about Amped 1 and Amped 2 as a simple 1-2 channel kind of thing, and the Amped 3 as the full kit and caboodle with, you know, everything you could want from low gain to high gain, the Amped 2 sits right in the middle of that, of the one and the three. So the two is really an all-in-one unit. It has got uh, your three different um, tube sims on there, if you will, or your tube flavorings, um, but it's got a lot more effects built in. With the idea that this is your standalone unit. You don't need to put this on a pedal board. This is it. You've got your classic, you know, clean side of stuff i think if i'm not mistaken it's got us and uk kind of voicings mm -hmm. for that side of stuff so you can utilize a more clean side or something that's a little more overdriven it has a drive section on it that you could utilize for a boost a fuzz or an actual overdrive pedal that's mm -hmm. going to give you some distortion kind of deal uh, you've got a built-in delay with tap tempo you've got a built-in reverb you have a built-in tuner on it as well uh, it's it's got tons of great features if i'm not mistaken um, you could utilize uh, some other features that are built into to adjust the presence on the amplifier because it doesn't have that knob. So this one is really more so I don't want to bring another whole unit or I need this as my backup if my whole rig goes down. I can plop this down, plug it into a cab, plug it in the front of house. I have my, my main amp section. I've got my overdrive section for boosts or for solos or for whatever I need. And then I've got all the effects on the bottom side that are easily accessible. Well, you know, I, I, I like the idea of this because to me, and maybe I'm mistaken, it sounds like something like an HX Stomp, a very fine product from Line 6. Absolutely. But it's got a power amp. But it has a power amp, correct. And it's got a preamp. And it has, you know, the effects loop out the back. And you and have it's got the, the, the DI and all that extra jazz. Right. And it also, and you didn't mention it, but there's, if I understand correctly, there's a full modulation section. Correct. So yes, chorus, absolutely. flander, trim, phaser, built-in reverb. And I think, as you know, for me, there is one great reverb and many others, and that's a, <laughs> that's a plate. 
And I understand that this one has a really nice plate reverb as well as spring and room uh, options there. And the delay also gives you the linear, the digital delay sound. Mm -hmm. It also gives you an analog delay sound, mm -hmm. sort of that bucket brigade feel. Correct. And also something that they call shimmer. Yes. Classic shimmer. Classic shimmer. A little bit of fairy dust on the end kind of thing, right? Something to make you feel like you're going to the heavens, if you will. Well, I've reviewed the specs on all three, and they seem extraordinarily complete for that total cost of acquisition. This sounds like a really great solution, and they should probably come to a really good guitar shop and check them out. I would couldn't agree more. It's, it's really something for... It's a perfect unit for any type of player. And not something that you would just buy online and hope for the best. No, no. Although, thankfully, there are so many great reviews of this amplifier online okay, cool. by a lot of great players, no matter what kind of genre you're looking for. Um, that's one thing I really was happy to see before I purchased my Amp 3 is there's a handful of, of artists that are playing the same kind of style that I'm doing that are actually checking it out. Um, and even there's a, a gentleman, you know, a little bit of a shout out here named Kyle Bull that's doing a lot of reviews on heavier type amplifiers and stuff like that on YouTube that, I mean, the guy is doing a service to all of us for testing out some of these amplifiers, seeing what they're about and giving an, a good, honest review with, you know, Sure, I'm sure he might get, you know, something free here and there, as, you know, we can all expect companies appreciate guys that are doing stuff. But it's it's just a great review show, just like you're doing here, right? Someone that just loves what they're doing and is happy to share it with the world. You know, with 30,000 views a month, I still haven't got companies calling me to try out their gear. <laughs> We're sending me stuff. Feel free, guys. We wouldn't mind. But, yeah, I mean, that's what we try to do here at That Guitar Lover. We tell the truth. Absolutely. And that may be why we don't get some, <laughs> some people calling to sponsor. Um, so as a Blackstar customer myself, mm -hmm. and you said you've been for a while, so have I. I find their products to be extraordinarily good quality. Mm -hmm. And I think what I think are very fair prices. Couldn't agree more. You know, I mean, if you're look, consider that 5-watt HT5 Mark II head. It's killer unit. <laughs> it's a killer unit yeah. at a very low price. Now, I know there's some confusion presently whether it's discontinued or not, but I did check, and it's still current on Blackstar's website. I couldn't see a single reason why that amp should be discontinued unless they're coming out with a Something new. updated version, which they did come out with their Mark Threes of a lot of these two pegs yes. recently. Yes, For those interested in pricing information, the Amp 3 that we've talked about today as a MAP or map price in Canada of eight twenty nine ninety nine, the Amp One as an MSRP map price of six ninety nine ninety nine, and the Amp Two has a map price of eight ninety five ninety nine. So let's move on to the second solution that you brought today. Yes. What have you got there? So this is the Tech 21 Fly Rig. This is the RK5 model, which is the Ritchie Kotzen model. Okay. Ritchie Kotzen model. I got to say that one properly. If you're familiar with Ritchie, you know what he's about. He's a fantastic guitar player. He is. Great artist. He's played with a handful of other artists over over his lifetime as well. So, you know, he's he's got his credentials. And this is the second iteration of this pedal. Okay. Um, and he's worked with a number of different makers, too. Because I remember when I was buying my first Victory. Mm. There was a Richie Cotson signature victory. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The the UK brand victory. Fantastic amplifiers. Right. Okay. So this one is, you call it the Fly Rig RK version two. Yeah. RK five is RK what I just five. like to call okay. it. Yeah. RK five V two. V two, and that's from Tech Twenty One NYC. Correct. Now these guys have been doing this kind of small device kind of thing forever. Forever. I mean. Getty Lee's been using hmm. their products for bass for yeah a while. Let's yeah. just let's just say it's a while. The Sans amps are pretty darn good little products, right? When you started to see washing machines <laughs> and chicken rotisseries, that's when the big amps all left the stage. So I know the company very well from the Getty Lee bass products, and I own one of their fly rig products, the acoustic fly rig. Oh, beautiful! Which. I've reviewed, and I highly recommend it, particularly if you're a singer-songwriter and you're playing a coffee house or something like that and you've just got a simple PA. It's perfect. It's, it's perfect. Absolutely. It's got the tuners, the, the effects that an acoustic player will want. 
It's compact. Mm -hmm. It's easy to use. And this is the big thing for me. It can make piezo pickups sound not like dog shit. <laughs> Which in a coffee house setting where you're utilizing one guitar for multiple different styles and stuff, that's got to be huge, right? Oh, I, I think it is. So tell us more about, about the, the RK5. So the RK5 is, funny enough, a little... It's, it's what I would say is the baby brother to what the Blackstar Amped 2 is, funny enough. Okay. So if you took the power section and a lot of those extra frills and features out the backside, that's what this RK5 is. It is a nice, simple unit. It's got a single input, single output with a 9-volt supply and an XLR out. You can have a headphone option that you can run for the quarter inch out for silent jamming at home kind of thing. Um, or to run into an interface or the XLR that you could utilize to a PA system or into an interface as well. Right. Um, now talking about the actual unit for the functions, you've got right in the center, you've got the option for a Sansamp option. Now, you know, as you can imagine, there's a few different versions of what Sansamp is going to be, you know, going on there. If I'm not mistaken, this is in the Fender kind of, you know, maybe tweed blondish kind of realm, if I'm not mistaken. That's my understanding. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a, what I would say is a super chimey breakup to that drive, and it's not going to get into that classic UK drive territory, in my uh, in my opinion, but it gives you enough of, of a gain structure to build off of with other pedals. Um, so going from that center side, which is engageable by a small little switch at the top, which, uh, which is a nice little feature on the RK one, it was an actual foot switch that we're using. Um, I think it's an on off kind of thing. And that's right. where that, that change in the V2 came in and to give you more options for foot switches for other things. So you have that sans amp in the middle, right below that is your foot switch for the reverb. Now, the reverb has two options for room size. As you can imagine, one that's a little smaller for your more classic, let's give me, you know, maybe a little more beef to the sound, a little stadium aspect, if you will. That's not going to be completely, you know, blown out and, and reverby, but something that's got some flavor to it. Right. And then the other side of it, where it's a nice, big, big ambient reverb that you might utilize for maybe some, like, shoegazy type music and stuff okay. like that. Yeah, um, so that reverb is nice. It's a single knob to control that with a foot switch. Um, to the left of that is where your delay section is. Like I mentioned, on-off like you would imagine, and a tap tempo, which is, in my opinion, I don't own a delay that doesn't have a tap tempo. It's really difficult without one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Unless you're doing, like, presets or you've got it, like, you're going with some type of MIDI controller that runs somehow to your click tracks and everything's working off of that. For the most part, you know... You're going to need a tap tempo. Normal people tap their feet. They're going to tap sorry. our feet, yeah. And, you know, on, the drummers are going to be a little, little quicker here, a little slower there. Yeah, because that's called real music. We have the energy of the night, right? So yeah. the tap tempo for me is a big thing. So that being built in is fantastic. Um, you've got your your level, as you can imagine. You've got your, uh, your drift option. Um, the drift uh, works a little differently between a couple different features. You've got your time as you can expect, but that's going to be switchable from the foot switch. Uh, the other option for your delay thing is a little little button there, just like the Sansamp has, and that's going to give you a rotary speaker function. Now that's really fun. I haven't had any other pedals that have that built in, and it's not an effect that you see as much this day and age, I find. No, you don't, and, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I think most people know the sound of a rotary speaker, a.k.a. a Leslie, in accordance with a B3 organ or a Wurlitzer piano. Mm -hmm. Less so with a guitar, but it is a wonderful sound, particularly if you can mix it with a dry sound. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big fan of the Microvent okay. uh, rotary pedals. They do a superb emulation of a real Leslie 122. But again, it's a question of taste. Sure. Use it to fit the song. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it's cool that it's in there. I I was very happy to to have that as an option for something that I haven't like I don't have a lot of modulation effects in my unit. I don't have a chorus built in. The chorus sounds that I get, I kind of jimmy rig out of my uh, out of my blue sky kind of thing with a bit of modulation and shimmer kind of deal. Mm -hmm. So 
for me, having that in a pedal was very cool. I spent 45 minutes when I first got the pedal <laughs> just having fun with that rotary speaker because it was my first time diving down the rabbit hole. Um, what was cool about it is you get your classic rotary speaker function. You can kind of tweak it and get a little bit of a trim out of it too. So that mm -hmm. was really neat. But I loved it because that mixed with the big room reverb really takes you down that like pedal aspect of you're just shoegazy and you're getting oh, yeah, very ambient. ambient Absolutely. Yeah. So that was that was very cool to be able to achieve that tone relatively simple or in a relatively simple process with this unit right at your fingertips. So that was nice. Now, does this device offer other amp sims? There are other amp sims with different versions of it. Okay. There is a plexi version, which is the kind of stock one, where, as you can imagine, it's a Marshall plexi style. Okay. Right? There's a bass version of it as well. Okay. Acoustic, like you mentioned. So they do offer a okay, handful. Okay, so there's a number of these different fly rigs. Whatever you purpose you really need or, you know, need to, to do at the end of the day, they're going to offer some version of it. Now, you've, you're talking about the Richie Cotton. Cotson version. Thank you. Correct. Because I would mispronounce that. There's also another version of Flyrig 5 V2 for someone who aren't looking for the Richie style. Yes. That's that's where that Plexi kind of comes so in. So you've got a mix. Plexi, and it, if I understand correctly, it's got a, they call it a Cali switch, which I think mm -hmm. means <laughs> yeah. Mesa Boogie Rectifier. Yeah. But the cool thing I found in doing my research is that if you take the XLR out, mm -hmm. You get cab sim. Correct. Yes. And if you take the quarter inch out, you could run it into an amplifier. Into an amplifier. Yeah. That makes it pretty darn versatile. Now, you also said that there's a boost circuit? There's a boost circuit, yes. Now, on this version, they also have the option to run it as a compressor instead. Oh, cool. Whatever flavor you're looking for. So that kind of, like I mentioned, when you have that shoegazy, more ambient stuff, if you're trying to do something that's a little more clean or even police or something like that, that compressor is going to going to do it for you in spades that's going to be a, a good little tool to utilize at the beginning of your signal i'm a compressor dork i will say that the compressor in the acoustic fly rig mm -hmm. is really really nicely done it's not a okay. squishy compressor okay because i'm not a fan of squishy compressors yeah. i like the ones that give life and warmth sure. um, so knowing that this uh, fly rig the rk5 as a compressor, I think that's super valuable. Really versatile. Care to share some samples? I'll, I'll dabble. I'll, I'll do my best. sample Shane's using a PRS CE24 with both pickups activated of course using the Tech 21 NYC fly rig RK5 version 2 he's got the level set at noon highs at 2 mids at 1030 lows at 1 and the drive at 1030 due to an error in the recording setup we didn't get the cab sim or the amp sim so I added one in post using the Two Notes Genome Project. And so we've gone for a California-style clean amp with a 2x12 cabinet, mic'd with a SM57 and a U87 on the cabinet. Added to that, of course, are a TC Electronics Spatial Expander and a TC Electronics DVR-250 plate reverb in post and followed that of course with a ua 
1176E compressor. this final recorded sample, Shane is still playing the PRSCE24. Uh, in this case, he's using the bridge pickup. And on the fly rake, he's got the OMG set to 9, level at 130, tone at 3, drive at 9. And of course, in post-processing, we're using the Genome California Clean Amp with a 2x12 cabinet, as discussed as well as a TC Electronics 1210 Spatial Expander, a TC Electronics DVR 250 Plate Reverb, and a Universal Audio 1176 Model E Compressor. So thanks for recording those samples. Those interested in purchasing the Richie Kotzen Flyrig 5 version 2, the Canadian MAP price is $499.99, the map price for the regular fly rig 5 version 2 and the base rig version 2 is $499.99. And for the acoustic fly rig, it's currently selling for $330 Canadian. All prices map. This has been absolutely marvelous, Shane. And I think that you've done a terrific job of introducing the listeners to the practical real world use of whatever we want to call them, backpack, pedal board, yeah. floorboard, amplifier, or uh, systems that don't cost a fortune. And they're going to be really viable for the person who's just having fun at home. Correct. You don't have to be gigging, but you could gig with any of these things. Absolutely. So there isn't an artificial ceiling that's being created. It's been great having you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me, Ross. Well, guys, thanks very much for everyone for taking time out of your day to be with us. Uh, Shane, I hope you'll agree to come back and guest again someday. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime you want to have me on to chit chat about this, that, and the other, I'll be here. Well, that's great. Folks, thanks as always for listening and for your support of the channel. I'm Ross. I'm Shane Suku. I wish you peace and good health. <laughs>